You're listening to the Invent Her podcast, conversations with women who have taken matters into their own hands and created careers that they love. If you're feeling disconnected at work, I'm hopeful that these conversations with inspiring women will help us all find our way in whatever industry we want to be in, or even find the courage to take the leap of faith to quit the day job and go out on our own. So, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Event Her podcast. Today I'm interviewing a guest who is making some serious moves in the interior design industry. Rashida Gray started her career in corporate marketing and worked her way up to assistant vice president and decided to quit to launch her own interior design firm, Grayspace Interior Design. Now that didn't come without its serious hard work. In this episode, Rashida talks about how she balanced her high-powered full-time job alongside studying for a qualification in interior design and taking on her first client. Oh, and she has two children and a husband too. We also talked about how she knew it was the right time to leave her job and take on her passion project as a full-time business and the best piece of advice that she was given. Rashida talks about hiring a team and gives some great advice on how to decide which position to hire for first and her experience with delegating tasks. This episode is a really great one and I know that I say that every week (laughs) but as I was editing this interview I found myself nodding along all over again to Rashida's pieces of advice. It was really lovely talking to Rashida for this episode and I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoy chatting to her. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. If you like this episode, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating and review it if you've got a minute. It really helps others to discover the podcast as it pushes the podcast up the ranks. You can also follow me on social media where I'm at the Invent Her Podcast. I would really love to meet you over there as well. So without further ado, let's get into my chat with Rashida Gray of Grayspace Interior Design. My name is Rashida Gray. I am owner and creative director of Grayspace Interior Design. We are a full service design firm right outside of Philadelphia in the States and um, really work with our clients to do full design renovation and staging on projects throughout the um, East Coast. So um, obviously your career didn't start in interior design. So could you talk about your background, maybe your education and how that led you into where, you're, where you are now? Yes. So you're right. Um, this is the second career for me in, in interior design. Um, uh, my prior career just ended about a year ago. Um, and so I was in marketing and communications, mostly for large insurance and financial services companies throughout the U.S. I've worked for several Fortune 500 companies throughout my 15-year career in marketing. Um, And my education really started with, you know, you go to college or university and um, you really kind of try to figure out what major you think is a good fit for you at 17, 18 years old. And so at that time, I I know I didn't want to be a doctor. I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer and business was just kind of like, all right, I know a little bit about business people that my parents know, and uh, maybe that's a good major. And then within business, I said, well, I don't want to do anything with numbers, which is 
not true. No matter what you do in life, there's numbers, but especially business. And so I said, okay, not marketing, not economic, I'm sorry, not accounting, not economics. Um, what's left? And marketing seemed to be creative. I've mm-hmm. always known that I um, was a creative. And so I thought that marketing would be the answer to that. And, and it was an amazing career on the surface, but I started to kind of get to a point in life where I wanted to dig deeper into what my purpose was. Um, there were some aspects of my career that I wasn't exactly in love with. Mm-hmm. And so um, out of that want and that desire came the curiosity into what is next. And um, it took a few years to figure out that interior design was indeed it. Um, I, I would say interior design never seemed like it could be a career to me mm-hmm. growing up. I wasn't exposed to it. You know, it wasn't until college and late high school that I started to watch shows on like HGTV and things like that. And I'm like, oh, there's a person that does what I love to do mm. and you possibly can get paid for it. So the exposure to it started later after I've already started to kind of plan my career. Um, and for me, about 10 years into my marketing career is when I wanted to dig deep and discover what I truly was supposed to be doing in my work and life. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're expected to choose our life path at the age of 16, 17. We're expected yeah. to spend thousands and thousands on our education at the age of 17. And it's like, if you gave a 17 year old 50,000 pounds or $50,000 to spend on their education, it's like, I mean, I mean, you have kids, I'm sure you would be like, oh my well, I God. Would never. <laughs> I would never. Yeah. And, you know, I would probably try to provide them with some guidance, but it's just a very difficult thing to do at that age to choose what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And so, um, I I thought I was doing that and um, got to a point where I was like, there's, there has to be something different for me because in my heart of hearts, it didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the person you are at the age of 18 is very different to the person you are 20 years later. It's just a completely different, you're in a completely different space of mind in your life. That's right. Yeah. Um, so how did you know that interior design was the thing for you? Um, it's always been in the background for me. Um, so I would say my earliest memory of becoming, wanting or desiring interior design as a career was, um, and when I was maybe 10, 10 years old, it was either fourth or fifth grade. And I got an assignment and I have no idea what kind of class would give this assignment, but I'm grateful for it. All I remember is the visual of it. So we were asked to do a floor plan for a living room. And of course at four, four, fourth grade and fifth grade, it wasn't to scale. It, it was probably some squares and some circles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember visually um, creating that. And so that's the first memory. And I and also remember enjoying that experience. Um, and then as a child, I've always, with whatever my family had, would decorate and redecorate and decorate again my bedroom. I think every designer does that. Um, so it's always been in the background. I got my first apartment, my bedroom. It was a rental. You know, I rented an apartment, but I asked the landlord, could I paint? He's like, sure, if you use neutral colors. And I was like, no, I want to use lime green. So <laughs> I painted my bedroom in my first apartment lime green. 
Um, so it's always been there. Uh, but you know, life happens. You have a family, you get married, and you have responsibilities. And so my career in marketing was going well. I was advancing. Um, my last position was assistant vice president of marketing and communications. And um, it was comfortable, but there was just a nagging feeling of what's missing. And so I think I started to listen more to myself or internally and also to God or higher power um, because I was curious. And what the triggering moment was um, I was selling a home that we, my family and I lived in. We were putting our home up for sale and then we were purchasing a new home. And by this time, Joanna and, and Chip were on HGTV and it was Fixer Upper. The show was, you know, playing all the time. And I was like, I want to fix her upper for our next house. That's what I said to my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is very handy, my husband is. So he and I, we were always tinkering with things in our homes. And so the last project we did um, to the home that we sold was to convert our garage into our family room. So, I mean, we probably made a trillion mistakes, but it worked. And we were like excited about doing those things together. So I sold the home. I had to stage it. The realtor came in and said, you should stage your home. And I'm like, you know, mind you, it's what, 2015. I'm like, what does staging mean? So I Google staging and then I did whatever I found in Google. She came in And she was like, wow, what did you do? It looks amazing. And our home sold in one day. The first person that viewed it uh, bought it. Um, This was a rocky uh, market too for real estate. So that was when I did, when that happened, I was like, okay, that's special. And then we bought the new house and we started to fix it up. Um, and I would post on Facebook and share with my family and friends. Oh, this weekend we tackled the flooring and the laundry room, or this weekend we, um, painted and decorated. And I would show those pictures and I've got, I got so many likes on Facebook more than I've gotten on other pictures of like life and family. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, you should do it. You should really think about that career. So that was the spark. Um, And I was also wanting more in my current position. And so I said, well, I've already have an undergrad degree in marketing. I already have a master's degree. At this point in my life, at that time, I was 33. So at this point in my life, do I want to go back to school with two children? I already have two degrees. Perhaps I'll take a course or two. Um, And so I did that. There's a, a school, Temple University here near Philadelphia. And I took um, a certificate course in interior designs. It was a few months to get a professional certificate. And to me, that was the litmus test. Let me see if I like what I'm learning because it's more than the surface, the pretty Mm -hmm. pillows and things like that. If I like what I'm learning, then I'll go more into it. And while taking that course, I got my first client. So wow. uh, yeah, that's, that's the long story of how it started. Um, I'd like to think that, um, you know, just putting my request or my desire out there um, opened up the universe and God to provide me with what I was looking for. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. No, that's amazing. So while all this was happening, so you were studying and you had your first client, were you working full time at the same time as all of this? Oh yeah. <laughs> How was. was that? <laughs> and actually, if I think back to that time, 
you know, again, I was struggling in my position, you know, what else is there? What am I missing? And so I thought getting another marketing job would be the answer. So not only was I building a business, but I actually transitioned to another <laughs> position within the company wow. at the same time. <laughs> Did you want so, to add anything else to that list? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a stressful time for sure. Um, so that was very interesting. Um, I was, I was working full time. Now I would say a friend of mine, when I thought about opening a business, I said, there's no way I said, Jackie, there is no way that I can add anything else to my plate, being a full-time employee, a mother, um, involved in my community, et cetera. And she said, your passion will fuel you, fuel you and give you the energy that you need. And that must have been the case. I must have been working off of adrenaline or something because um, it was literally, you know, go to work nine to five. Um, and then sometimes work required after nine to five. Yeah. Um, so I would travel for my full-time job um, all over the States. And when I would be on the plane or in the hotel room after the happy hour or after the event for work, I would be working on my business. So yeah, I did um, both for three and a half years. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose when I guess your side hustle is something that you absolutely love, I guess it doesn't really feel like work. I, I think you just imagine that it's something, it's a hobby really that you're yes. doing to that's, eventually that's turn right. into a business. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you transition then from working full time in your set you know, sensible job <laughs> into then leaving and launching your business. Did you have any kind of financial struggles or was it, was that something that you put in place in order to leave? So, um, yes, finance, financials is a big part of the transition. And that's what held me back from even exploring another career option because I was so comfortable mm. in my finances and corporate, um, so for me, um, I wish I was more structured and I said I saved X amount of dollars per month, but what I did is I just kind of saved as I was able to. And I thought by year two, I would be ready. Physically, I was ready because I was running on fumes, working nine to five and then five to, or well, nine to five and then really like eight until 1 a.m. Um, yeah. I would have dinner hang with the kids for a bit and then get back to the um, side hustle. So by year two, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. And then I took a hard look at my finances and I was like, no, you're not quite ready. And so, yeah, I did. Um, I saved a little over, um, I think it ends up being about five months of savings. Um, and I used, I have used some of that. So I'm so mm -hmm. grateful that I have it. Um, and also had to have lots of conversations with my family, um, with my husband specifically, just to say, and my husband's an entrepreneur too. Mm -hmm. um, so it would be, gr it would be different. I wouldn't say great. It would be different if, um, he had a steady corporate paycheck as well, okay. that might've made the transition a little easier. Mm -hmm. Um, but because he's an entrepreneur, we both had to have like a conversation about what our finances may look like. Um, mm -hmm during the transition period. So conversation with family and then just saving financially to prepare myself for whoever knows what. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't have a single regret about the transition. I'm actually 
not wish that I did it sooner because everything happens when it's supposed to, but I'm so grateful that I have made it to the other side of it because it's made a world of difference, both for myself, um, mentally and emotionally, as well as um, just kind of growing the business. Absolutely. So what was it like the day that you got to quit your day job? Okay, May 6, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Is that significant? You remember the date? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it was great. By that time, I had been working from home quite a bit. And so my last day wasn't in the office. Um, I was actually working from home that day um, because it was, a, was it a Friday? I can't remember exactly, but I believe it was a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, it was a sigh of relief. Um, I wasn't, no, it was a Monday. I think um, the the third was like my actual last physical day of work, but Monday was the day that I officially signed off. Yeah. Um, but it was, um, it was hard to do both and to kind of be careful about like when I did my side hustle work and when I did my full-time work. Um, and I knew it was time to make a decision um, a year for that because something was going to be affected if I didn't. Um, I had so much passion about what I was doing in interior design that my passion um, was being spread too thin. It wasn't spilling over to my full-time job anymore. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, there wasn't much left some days for me to be a human, a mother and a friend mm-hmm. and a wife and a daughter and all those great things. So um, it was a sigh of relief to be able to um, finally do what I set out to do over those uh, three and a half years. Um, it was also scary, too. I think I'm trying to recall moments of, you know, you get the excited feeling initially. And then I think for the first few months after that, um, income wasn't what I expected. And so that's when I got into moments of being afraid and worried. And did I do the right thing? Um, do I need to go get a part-time job? Um, <laughs> you know, was that like, did I just throw away my whole career? Those things happen. So I think if anyone's considering going through some sort of transition like that, it's important to have a group of people around you that support you in that mm-hmm. because they talked me off the ledge a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was uh, exciting, but also scary at the same time. It's great that you had a, a great support system around you. Cause I think some people think that maybe, you know, if they make a massive decision like this, that, that people are going to think they're crazy <laughs> for leaving yeah. that great job, great salary, the benefits and all of that. Did you have yeah. anyone in your life that maybe thought, Rashida, what are you doing? You know, you've built up this great career. Why would you then go and leave it to, you know, who knows what could happen? You know, I was very surprised. Uh, Yes, a little, but mostly no. Um, I was very surprised by my mother because she comes from the generation of you get a great job and you work there for 20, 30, yeah. 40 years and then, and then you, you retire. <laughs> yes. That's it. And so um, she's been supportive from the beginning, which like blows my mind because I really thought that she would say, you know, you got a family, you have yeah. responsibilities. And um, I think 
because she also sees how hard I work and she's been following along with my journey. She, she comments on all of my posts on Facebook. So, <laughs> <laughs> and if you see a woman with the name Sonia, that's my mother. <laughs> she's your biggest cheerleader. <laughs> yes, she is, and I'm so grateful for her. I really am um, her support because you just, no matter how old you are, you want to make your parents proud. And so uh, I'm so glad that she approved of it from the beginning. Um, and then my husband is an entrepreneur and he's just like, listen, whatever you want to do, I support you. Let's come up with a plan. Um, and I just want you to stop complaining about your day job. (laughs) So Um, I guess all these people around you just thought that you were happy for doing what you wanted to do. And I guess that's probably what made them, made them feel positive about it. I think so. Maybe that was it. My grandmother, um, she's no longer with us, but, um, she, she was like, are you sure you want to quit that good job? That kind of thought yeah. you probably should continue to do both. And it, I'm sure it's just a generational thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she always would say she was proud of me, but she did question it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really it. So I do think Hannah, that's probably what it was. I certainly felt happier, freer, um, more in line with who I am. Um, as a result of taking the leap so maybe that's what they saw absolutely so I want to ask um, about anything that you struggled with when you launched your business and do you have any specific advice for somebody who maybe is at that point where they're ready to leave their day job but they're not quite sure you know when to do it yeah um, I would say allow your full-time day job to be your investor in business as long as you possibly can. Great advice. Um, because I mean, yes, it was hard to kind of work, uh, 20 hours, well, 16 hours a day, 17 hours a day for three and a half years, but it allowed me to make the mistakes that happen generally when you start a business on someone else's dime, I guess I would say. Mm. Um, and so try to stay, um, if it works, sometimes it just doesn't work because of the nature of your job, your day job and your side hustle. But if you can try to stay with both as long as possible. Um, I think that, hmm, what was a big struggle for me in the trend? Oh, time management was a huge struggle for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in our day jobs, you're probably kind of program to follow the pattern of the rest of the company. And so everyone comes to work between eight and 9 Mm AM. Everyone goes to lunch between 12 and 1 PM. Mm -hmm. Everyone leaves between five and six. Yeah. Um, But when you're running your own business, you are the only everyone. (laughs) And um, I got into this weird, like, what does my day look like? And at first you're like, I'm free (laughs) a bit. So I was having lunches and breakfast meetings and coffee meetings and all the time in the beginning, I'm like, my day is going away from me. Like I'm not able to get anything done. And I was falling back into the working and evening time. Um, And I was like, this doesn't seem like what I did this for. So I had to get a hold of my day and time management. Um, a lot better. And so the way that I did it, and I'm still working on it, still struggle, but the way that I do it is I have a calendar set up in a software program and 
I allow for like travel to clients' homes and meetings to be on certain days and times um, so that I have focused um, office time to create, focused office time to do admin work. I just try to block it and chop it up a little bit. Okay. Um, I want to talk about hiring a team. How did you take your previous experience with hiring people uh, beneath you and use that into how you hire now? Yeah, um, I, I've always come from the school of hire to your weaknesses um, and don't be intimidated by it. Hire to your weaknesses. And so um, I applied that when looking for um, folks to join Grayspace. So right now we have um, two part-time team members. One is our um, design assistant and the other is our project manager. And actually my first hire for Grayspace kind of came by gut and intuition. I was approached by a young lady, as I am many times, for mentorship. And I was just so impressed by her ability to communicate. Um, and she also is the second career designer. She was in accounting before. Um, so I was so impressed by her that I was like, okay, I was thinking about hiring someone eventually in my company, but I think you would be an amazing fit. I want to do that hire now. Would you like to come in for an interview? So, um, that was my first hire. She's been with me. It'll be three years in January. So two and a half years. Um, and what I discovered, you know, I can do the admin work. But if I spend time on admin work, for example, or if I spend time in CAD, which is an amazing skill to have, then it's taken away from time to do the things that I'm amazing at, my superpowers. Mm -hmm. So I really love marketing, obviously, yeah. <laughs> because that's my background. Um, and I really love designing. And so we are all segmented by our super superpowers within our company. Um, and I hired to my weaknesses. I also hired by, I don't want to say attitude, but demeanor and personality too. Mm -hmm. um, because when you work with someone, I feel like half of the battle is like um, how you work with each other. Absolutely. And so that was important to me as well. And I think especially when you're building a company, you spend so much time with the team that you work with, probably more than you do your family. So you have yeah. to get along. <laughs> My kids know Miss Rose and Miss Carla very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um, yeah. So how did you know um, which positions to hire for first? And do you have any advice for somebody who, you know, has a lot of work on their plate, but doesn't quite know where to delegate those tasks? I, um, I would, if you would have asked me your, uh, two years ago, I probably would have said I have a hard time at delegating and I'd still struggle with it, but I just, I got to a point where I was doing everything and it was overwhelming. Um, so I knew I had to do something, but there was this hesitation on how do I afford to pay someone? Mm. Um, the, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, do I hire and get more projects or do I get more projects and hire? Yeah. Um, and so I um, actually had a business coach for a year, um, uh, 20, end of 2018 to end of 2019. And um, the business coach was super helpful in me making the decision to um, hire even more. Um, I already had Carla on, on board, but to continue to hire. Um, 
And the conversation was, you are able to bill out those hours that your admin or your design assistant um, or project manager is working because they're doing work on behalf of the company. Um, so I look at it that way that I have to make sure that I'm billing out for enough hours to cover them uh, mm -hmm. each month. Um, so yeah, it started with, I feel overwhelmed and I don't like doing some of the things that I'm spending hours on doing and I'm not good at doing them. Like, you know, I'm not good at, um, building a website or I'm not good at, uh, you know, um, CAD. And so I had knew I had a problem. It was just a matter of how to solve it. And so far it's just making sure that I'm accounting for the hours that they're going to be working in the business when building for projects. So what would you say your specific strengths and weaknesses are within your business? And is there anything that you think you um, wish you'd known before, before going out on your own? I wish I would have known that it is such an emotional roller coaster being a business owner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that you are responsible for everything. No matter if you have a team or not, you're still responsible for it. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's, it's a part of my life. I said, I always say Grace Face is my third child. Um, it's a toddler right now. And for anyone who has children, toddlers are a freaking handful. <laughs> and so <laughs> Grace Face and it's, um, you know, it's been four years that we've been in business, but one year full time. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot, it's a, it's a handful. It's busy, but there's a lot of growth potential too. Um, so I wish that I would have known that, um, and I guess I did, but I, you don't know to experience it, that you are in charge of, are responsible for everything and that it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, but it's one that I love. Um, you have to do, I mean, gosh, we hear this all the time. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, it must be for something that you love because that will continue to fuel you as opposed to the money or anything else that the status that people may seek in entrepreneurship it has to be the passion for what you're doing um, and the service that you're doing it with servicing your heart. Um, and then I would say, wait, what was the second part of the question? Because I just lost my thought. <laughs> I was thinking that your strengths and weaknesses within your business. Oh, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Um, so in terms of strengths and weaknesses, um, I mentioned earlier that I'm really, um, I've studied for 15 years marketing. So that's something that I believe I'm good at and I enjoy as well. And it's also innate to me. Like I've always been a communicator, um, whether it's writing or verbally, I've always been a communicator. So for me, marketing is communicating your value and services to your clients, your potential clients. And so um, I love marketing because of that. So mm -hmm. I stick to that. I, so I also call myself like the rainmaker, like I bring in the business. Um, so whether that's networking, social media, um, traditional like print ads and things like that, um, that's my wheelhouse. Um, and then also along with marketing comes sales. So like closing the deal as well. Yeah. And, um, I would say designing, I mean, it's, it's a lot more than I initially thought. Um, you know, I just thought I want to make spaces beautiful. Mm. Um, but there's so much uh, logic and science in addition to the art that comes along with it. And so I've learned that over the last four years. Um, but I do think one of my superpowers is designing and being able, being able to see a space complete before I even 
put pen to paper almost as soon as I walk into the space. I want to talk about um, specifically working with clients. What is your design process like when first being consulted by a client? So what does the gray space interior design process look like for you? That's another strength of ours. Um, I really try to implore a lot of the business strategies that I've learned over the last 15 years Mm -hmm. into my business. So um, we're pretty tactical in that way. So we have a five-step design process. Okay. Um, we start with getting to know who the client is. Mm. That's super important to me. I feel like you um, hit the jackpot when you can design to tell the story of the client in their home. And so um, we do that by um, our first step was just an in-person or virtual consultation. So that's step one. And then we move into step two, which is the design development. And that's when we're working behind the scenes crafting um, a design package for the client, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we present that to them to get feedback. Hopefully they're like, it's perfect. We want it all. <laughs> and um, <laughs> after that is approved and processed, then we go into some of the admin phase. So this is when I pass the baton to my team members and we go into the procurement stage of the process, which is stage three. And that's when we're ordering all of the furniture and accessories for the project um, through all of our furniture vendors. And then also managing those deliveries and storing all those items. And then step four is project management. So this is another baton pass to um, my design assistant who has a background in construction. Um, And so she is able to talk with our tradespeople our painters, our electricians, and schedule. We're gearing up for the final step, which is the install. So the install is like the HGTV magical moment. Um, That is everyone's favorite part. So we all come together as a team, including um, a handyman um, and a carpenter, and we're installing all the art, all the... um, drapery, all of the furniture, and we're really transforming the space. Um, So that entire process can range anywhere from six weeks to, I mean, I've had a project that went two years, so it depends on the project. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yes, that is, that's the five-step process. And we try to keep it simple for our clients. Um, We don't want to overwhelm them. In reality, those five steps are really 25 steps for us. Yeah. Um, but we communicate it in a way that shows how we are able to kind of seamlessly move through the process. What is your favorite part of the whole process? My favorite part is knowing when the design is right. Yeah. So I do love when I see it come to life in the install, mm-hmm. but when I am in the middle of designing, and I'm like, there's something's not clicking, something's not clicking. And then I find like the perfect piece. I'm like, oh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like to my husband, Jake, come look, I got to show you. I mean, he's like over it at this point. <laughs> like, I found the perfect. So that moment when the design feels right to me um, is, is my favorite part. And it becomes even more true if the client agrees and that's, that's the hope that the client agrees as well. So that's when the design is complete. That's my favorite part. Yeah, absolutely. Are you somebody who's always redecorating their house? Yes. (laughs) And how, how do your family deal with that? (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I actually am starting to get tired of me. So <laughs> I said, um, I'm in my home studio right now. And that was the project that we completed right before the pandemic. Okay. And so, um, so that happened and now we're doing the one room challenge, which for me has turned into two rooms <laughs> because my living room and dining room are next to each other and they're open to each yeah. other. So I was like, Oh, I have to do the dining room too. <laughs> so not only is we're doing the studio, but then we have the dining room upstairs in the living room. And then my husband wanted to pick up the closet as the pandemic project that he wants to work on. And so we have four projects over the last three months in our home. Oh um, so we need a break. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm always kind of tweaking, um, you know, so I like to design in a way that doesn't, for me, lock me into any one particular color or because I just change my mind too often. Yeah. And also my home is testing ground for my client. So I'm like, Oh, I think, you know, um, a blue striped sofa would be great. Maybe I should, you know, purchase a chair for my home and see how I love it. Or, you know, or this configuration or idea might be mm -hmm. great. So yeah. I do always redecorate a bit here and there. Right now it's a little intense, but normally it's like moving, changing out drapery or changing out pillows or something like that for the season. Yeah, it's kind of like a doll's house. You get to use it to play around and test things and, oh, yes, that looks great. Oh, no, don't like that. <laughs> yes. And my, um, my, oh, right before that, we redid both of my children's bedrooms. So <laughs> and my daughter is all for it. She's nine and she's like, okay, mommy, I want to help you design. Yeah. I want everything pink, everything <laughs> pink and everything pink. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's compromise. So <laughs> she's all for it. My son's like, mom, I don't care what it looks like. But now it's done. He's like, oh, this is such a cool space. So as long as he has somewhere for his Xbox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. So yeah, <laughs> they are used to it at this point. I've been tweak, you know, my son is 14. So since he can remember, I've always been kind of tinkering with yeah. things in the house. Yeah. Um, what do you approach first when you design a space? And do you have any particular points of inspiration? Yeah. Um, hmm. I try to find inspiration in our clients' lives. Um, so during the consultation, I'm like looking around into other rooms and I'll ask them, is there a space in your home that you love and why? Um, a lot of times they're like, no, that's why I'm bringing you here. So <laughs> I've got to dig a little deeper and um, I'll look at their closet um, and their wardrobe, mm. even what they have on to see like, what do they gravitate to in terms of color mm. um, and texture and also I have been known to kind of social media stalk my clients a little bit. So if I can find pictures of them on social media or online, I'll look at, you know, I'm working with a client right now and we just started last week and I'm like trying to find inspiration. And I Googled her. She's an executive at a company and every shirt that I saw her in, normally executives, I don't know, we kind of they stick to like black and yeah. blue and gray. But she had colorful, like, um, very colorful shirts on with oranges and blues, like jewel tone colors. Okay. And so um, I'm going to pull from that for her project. So it could be the client's lifestyle. And then also if there is a piece of artwork that they want to keep in the space, 
um, I would use that as inspiration or uh, an area rug that I find in the process that might be a jumping off point. So usually something with a multiple colors embedded into it and then the design kind of spreads from there. Do you have any advice for somebody who maybe wants to hire an interior designer but isn't quite sure um, maybe what they do or you know I, I need help with my room or I need help with my kitchen but I don't know what kind of help I need. <laughs> do you have any advice for somebody who thinks like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say there's no harm in having a discovery call with an interior designer. Um, so a lot of times now, most of us have like book a discovery call for free on our website. So I would maybe start there or maybe if you're not quite ready to go there yet, thank goodness for places like Instagram or Facebook where you could kind of follow a designer for some time and get to know their personality and their taste and their style. Um, so you can do a little bit of homework before reaching out to them. Um, but I would say have the conversation because, um, no two projects are alike. And so I've had clients who are like, well, I just need your help with, um, I'm in the middle of my kitchen renovation and I can't decide on backsplash flooring and paint. Can you help? And so, um, designers can certainly help with projects that small to a project as large as a whole entire home new build or renovation. Um, so I would say have the conversation express kind of what you just said, Hannah, just like, I'm not sure where to start. Um, here's what's going on in my home. And then they can guide you to what might be the best service for you. Have you ever had to deal with a difficult client and how do you kind of navigate around that? Of course, I've never had to deal with <laughs> difficult clients. No, <laughs> um, I have actually had to let go of a client or two in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that because it wasn't um, a beneficial relationship for either one of us. Um, I think I, so to answer your question, yes, I've had to deal with difficult clients. Um, I try to look for any red flags before starting the project. And I have said to people who were prospects, you know, I went out to their home for the consultation or we talked over the phone. I, I kind of had some red flags right away and I've said to them, I may not be the best designer for you for this project. Um, and so I try to stop it beforehand, but if it falls through the cracks and you don't find out until a month or two into the relationship, um, worst case scenario, I had to let clients go once or twice. Um, best case scenario is um, communicate. Um, and just have conversations with the client that may be difficult um, and just to get back on the on right track. I mean, we are the professionals that they're hiring. And so I think it's to their benefit to um, follow our design process to have the best outcome. And so if you try to get them back on track and say, hey, I've noticed this is happening, but um, in my experience, um, doing it this way would be more helpful to us. Mm -hmm. You try to do that. Um, but if it doesn't course correct itself, then you may have to get to a point where you have to sever ties. And mm -hmm. so I had a commercial project that I started and there were so many red flags from the beginning and I totally ignored them because I was like, Oh, this is a beautiful project. Um, but you know, they wanted it done in three weeks and 
They negotiated my design fee, which is a huge no-no. Um, and they just didn't value a designer. Um, and I let it get too far. And I did eventually have a conversation with them and to say, you know, I think that it's best for the both of us um, that we no longer work together. Um, and then I just calculated fairly um, and I submitted a refund to them, a small amount for the difference left and what they have paid and what we've already worked on. So mm-hmm. it went well. They, they they actually said thank you for being so professional. Um, and we kind of went our separate ways. So that's worst case scenario and try to catch it beforehand. But if you don't in the middle, just try to have conversations to course correct. Yeah. And I think it's admirable that you can turn around and say, you know what, this isn't going to work. Um, we need to kind of sever ties because at the end of the day, you're turning away money and you're turning away the ability to put food on your table for your children and you have a team yeah. to pay. So it's yes. actually quite admirable for you to actually stand up and say, no, this isn't right for me. Yeah. It takes a lot of guts to do it for sure. And um, I might've let that first one go on a week or two too long, but it was just to a point where it was causing me anxiety and too much time wasted and it just wasn't productive. So I look at it like that's blocking the ability for me to be able to do another project that will go really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's a good way of looking at it actually. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about the future of gray space interior design. Where do you kind of see the, the brand and the business going over the next 12 months and five years and 10 years? <laughs> hmm. Um, you know, I really, <clears throat> Um, want to become a premier design studio in the Philadelphia area, which encompasses Philadelphia, Delaware, New Jersey. Um, And in addition to that, I would love for our company to become licensed partners with some product um, brands. So perhaps crafting some sort of furniture for well-known brands that we can kind of partner to create um, products within their companies. I really would love to go in that route. Um, I really would love the opportunity to explore um, television and feathering our brand that way. Mm. And um, right now we are doing a good amount of local um, television appearances. Would love to increase that and maybe consider something national. So um, really just kind of growing as a company, um, expanding our portfolio and then Um, just kind of growing in terms of licensing and brand um, for furniture and television. Amazing. What do you think is your biggest achievement so far in your career? hmm. That's a big question. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I honestly feel like I'm getting started. Um, I know I've been doing it part-time for three years and then full-time for a year in, in addition to that, but I feel like there's so much more in ahead of us. Um, I don't know if this is like an easy way out, but I feel like the biggest accomplishment is going full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a risk taker. I calculated that risk over and over again, and it was a leap of faith for me to go full time. So, um, I feel like that is the, um, catapult to the next level for us. And so I think the biggest accomplishment is going full time. So we'll see what comes beyond that. I want to thank you so much, Rashida, for coming on here. It's been a really great conversation. I just, I've loved it. So um, where can people find you if they want to find your content online? 
Sure. So online, we are at Great Space Interior Design. So on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, um, and YouTube. <laughs> um, and then our website is www.grayspaceinteriordesign.com. Cool. And I'll have everything that Rashida has mentioned in the show notes as well. So if you want to go and check out Rashida's content, then feel free. So thank you, Rashida. Thank you so much, Hannah, for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Inventor podcast. If you liked today's episode, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with me on social media where I'm at the Inventor podcast. I would love to hear from you.